Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage podcast. Today I'm joined by Christian, who is overseas and wants to share her story about experiencing a miscarriage while overseas and so far from home. So thank you for joining us today, Christian. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about where where you're at in life. Obviously, you're in a different location than most of my podcast guests, as well as just where you're at in your um pregnancy journey and everything. Mm -hmm. I want to hear all of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. Um, we, we moved abroad again, uh, just 10 months ago and my husband and I have been together for, uh, almost 11 years and got married in 2010. Um, both he and I work overseas and domestic and have jobs that take us to and from. So, um, it's not unusual for us to live overseas, but this uh, specific destination is newer to us. And this is the first time that I've experienced a miscarriage. So it's, uh, it's unique um, as with any, any big life change, but uh, especially being away from family and friends and um, some of the typical resources that we are accustomed to having as, as Americans. So a little bit, uh, Difficult. Uh, we have a lovely um, and thriving one and a half year old daughter that we had in the U.S. right before we left uh, and moved over here with a six month old. And um, to that end, our relatively new parents and decided to start trying again um, pretty much at the end of 2017. So not not but uh, uh, actually end of November uh, to grow our family. And unfortunately, um didn't get too far along until we miscarried. So it's uh, only our second pregnancy. And um, yeah, just trying to learn how to manage a, a hard life um, with a lot of the newness of living in a foreign country and not having as much of a support network and having a husband that's albeit very supportive, but very busy and traveling and um, alone with a one and a half year old. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just that alone, being alone with a one and a half year old, you want to be there and be happy and be playful. Meanwhile, you are broken, you know, feeling rough, mm -hmm. so rough. Yeah. And remind me, when did you miscarry? When did this happen? We miscarried um, three and a half weeks. Well, honestly, it was a, a missed mis miscarriage. So okay. um, we did not know we miscarried, of course, but uh, I was informed that we miscarried um, three and a half weeks ago. So, And how far along did you think that we, you were? We thought that we were 11 weeks along. So, oh. yeah. Uh, the and, same thing happened. That is brutal. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it wasn't, I, I can't say anyone's experience with it would never be fine or less traumatizing on a family or a woman, but. I do feel like it, it was just very um, unpredicted. I, I had a typical day. Um, just uh, we were actually on our way the next day to be going on our first um, ski vacation since we've been overseas here and uh, just trying to go through everything it takes to pack up a little one and a, a family for a fun ski trip for uh, a week and a half. And I actually had a, um, a regular doctor's appointment, not even addressing uh, anything dealing with the pregnancy, but 
um, I had to have a pap smear and a regular checkup uh, for an annual. So went to my OBGYN here um, and kind of blasted through the office because as you can probably relate that day before you leave for vacation, you're trying to get a whole bunch of things done at once and make sure you've dotted every I, crossed every T and just did not expect what had materialized. And she's, she's a great obstetrician, gynecologist, but um, luckily she has a little bit more streamlined uh, technology compared to what you would experience in the States where you have more of like meeting with a tech and then meeting um, perhaps more with a gynecologist and obstetrician or your OB, but uh, less procedural um, with other other practitioners, she just was like, Hey, while we're here, why don't we just go ahead and take a look at the baby? Cause she checked us, um, as we were going along in the, in the weeks preceding and, um, yeah, that's when we learned. So really blindsided. So no heartbeat, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I had been very, very, very symptomatic. This, this is my second pregnancy, as I mentioned, or was yeah. my second pregnancy. And, it's just strange because I had more severe symptoms than when I had my daughter, um, the first pregnancy and a lot, a lot more morning sickness, all day sickness, a lot of vomiting. Yeah. I, I, I was really unhappy because I did not have a pleasant first pregnancy, especially, um, the first and second trimester, but thought, gosh, you know, maybe I'll be that lucky woman that doesn't have the next pregnancy so bad. And then I, it was even worse. So I thought, all right, well, I'm just not that lucky woman altogether. And let's just say that every day was a real, real struggle for um, those first, what I thought to be 11 weeks, you know, until we realized we were pregnant until 11 weeks. So even going up to the doctor's appointment, um, I was very nauseous, vomited the same day, just beside myself that when I went in to see the doctor, she started to do a transvaginal um, sonogram and immediately I, I knew what I was seeing, even though they weren't speaking in English. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, I don't see any, any, I don't know if it's infrared, what exactly they use. It shows the color of the blood uh, circulating or lack thereof in my case, but it just was not lighting up with the typical reds and yellows and, I thought, oh, I cannot believe that I'm seeing this. Maybe I'm not seeing this right. And maybe she's on a different angle. Maybe she's looking for something else. And I also, for some reason, I'm always very sympathetic of others. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to pressure her. I'm not going to say anything. I just want her to do her thing. And um, I could tell that she was looking more. And and generally, she's a very communicative person, even while doing uh, the sonograms and she just was radial silent this time. And as every second passed, I just felt like, oh my gosh, my heart is sinking deeper and deeper into this, this bed. Like, I, um, and then I, she was said, yeah, if you could put your clothes on, we'll go ahead and, and meet back in my office. And through the quick two minutes in between, she was uh, speaking with her nurse practitioner in a different language, but I, I'm learning the language fairly quickly, at least it's a conversational quick happenstance. And I know numbers well enough where I, I understood, wow, she's asking her about how many months along I should be compared to 
what she was seeing in terms of the amount of growth of the fetus. Um, and by the time my tush hit her chair, I just, I absolutely knew what she was going to say. So it was not, not anything anyone would ever want to hear, but just not what I was expecting. You know, like I said, completely blindsided by it. Right. Especially because you're having significant pregnancy symptoms, no symptoms of miscarriage whatsoever. Nothing, nothing at all. Wow. And what was the gestational age? Uh, They predicted seven and a half weeks. Oh, and you were still that sick. Wow. Yeah. And I, I never had a chance to really ask her and clear it up with her, but when she said that, I thought, uh, I'm not going to try and make sense of mother nature, but I thought maybe, is there any chance that the baby could have been um, smaller and less developed, but still living? And that's why it measured to be smaller, because I just can't understand why I was so symptomatic and, you know, didn't have that immediate change that I guess other women speak of when they feel like, oh, maybe I could have miscarried. I, I hadn't felt nearly as bad as I was the week preceding or what have you. So who knows? But yeah, that's what they measured it as. At. Wow. So, so then what? I mean, you are packing to go on this awesome <laughs> trip. You have a one and a half year old. You're finally going to get a vacation. You go in yeah. for a normal doctor's appointment and then you're hit yeah. with this. So what, what happened next? Yeah, well, I had been feeling, like I mentioned, every day, just so sick and just a struggle to find any normalcy in my life. So the hour before that, I went to the hair salon thinking, oh, I, you know, I really need a refresher. I would love to get a nice cut and new color, whole new style before we go on our trip. Because I just felt like, gosh, I need something. I need to feel good again. And maybe this will give me a little uplifting um, image and feel good. And and then to have that happen and, and just sitting there with my brand new hairstyle, you know, thinking everything's fine and dandy. We're going to leave first thing in the morning. Cat, car's all packed up. Husband's getting ready to finish his work day. Um, I did not have to go back to work. And yeah, um, I had to call my, my husband, of course, and bring him um, ask him to come in to speak with the doctor because luckily uh, work is only a five minute drive. So um, I'm very happy that he was able to come over right away. And uh, the doctor was gracious enough to reiterate what she had told me once I was sitting in her chair chair all alone um, to him and then even give him an opportunity to see the fetus through another transvaginal quick ultrasound to show him that the heart wasn't beating and this is what we would be looking for and make, make it real for him. So um, immediately after that, she talked about how we can uh, proceed. So, you know, of course the options, the three different options, um, she didn't actually go through the option of any type of medication, but she did say, you know, you can take the natural route and wait until your body expels um, the baby or, uh, intervene, they call it intervention. And, um, and my gut was always at that moment in time thinking it's, it's better just to let my body handle it. Um, I had my first child all naturally, and I've always felt as though I could handle anything that would be dealing with childbirth and or, um, rearing. And I, I, I just, you know, would rather take that route. But then 
um, we left her office thinking, okay, well, we have a lot of things we got to think about and the course of action is going to be something we need to really figure out because we're getting in the car and traveling eight hours and going to be in a remote location. And um, we contacted our, our employer and uh, since we live overseas, they, they have a little bit of oversight into how we operate with um, a lot of different things and healthcare being one of them, especially making sure that we have adequate healthcare and do what they recommend, which could bring them to better ties to other more sophisticated healthcare options, either in Europe or um, back in the States. And their immediate recommendation was to go for a second opinion, um, but uh, immediately. So that was, you know, not even but a half hour later, and we were already pushing the end of the business day. Um, when I first got uh, my first appointment, but we went to get a second opinion right away. And um, uh, I didn't know why they asked for us to do that, but um, they had some recommended uh, facilities in the area that they would, I think, have rather us gone to that are full healthcare facilities, um, not just a practitioner. So we went there and they confirmed everything. And the doctor there said, Hey, uh, I can squeeze you in tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. And for some reason by within the hour and a half that everything had just come crumbling down upon me. And I was speaking now to a second doctor. I just thought maybe I should just go ahead with the DNC and, um, not have this pending over me when this is going to end, you know, when, when my body would choose to, to allow every nature to take its course. So sure. um, my husband and I said, okay, let, you know, let's go ahead and take care of this in the morning. And the doctor said, but you're not going on your ski trip. <laughs> and I, and I don't discredit that, um, recommendation whatsoever and or in this case uh, command but I did um, at this point really really need to get out of the location that we were in just for I think my own mental health and emotional stability we live in an area that doesn't have the best um, air quality during the winter time especially and you know that along with my pregnancy symptoms like really kept me in with cabin fever and feeling like I was always in the restroom being oh sick. So I, I told him, I said, I said, you know, this, this ski trip is not an option. Like I need to get out of here and take some long breaths of fresh air and clear my head. And of course not jump on the slopes and do anything crazy with my body as I wasn't planning on doing anyway, because being pregnant, but I just wanted to cuddle up with a book and get out of here and <laughs> take some time. So we were able to negotiate him to allow me to drive, you know, four hours afterwards, just so long as I wasn't just saying, you know, thank heavens he did work with us to allow, um, allow me to have the procedure done the next morning and then um, wait till I got better. And then toward the end of the day, us leave for the trip and my husband drive and, you know, just kind of decompress from all the stress and, newness of what we've experienced. Absolutely. That's a whirlwind of, I mean, 18 hours, not even 24 hours. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah. so after 
you were at the first appointment. So you said between then and then the second opinion, you decided to have the DNC and you have had a natural childbirth. So talk through that experience of having a DNC. A lot of the listeners um, are either contemplating that or wondering. So, you know, your experience, if you could kind of summarize, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the DNC, uh, I, I just think that I'm... a an outlier because I am in a foreign country and the medical care is not primitive, but it's not what we are accustomed to in first world and, or, you know, the U S. So, um, it was not unpleasant whatsoever, but, uh, I think they treat it a little bit differently where there's not as much time beforehand. And, um, were you awake or were you fully sedated? Fully sedated. So, that that was great. Um, yeah. I just had I had a, a, some inhibitions going in because there's a communication gap, and um, you know my husband like they wouldn't allow my husband to be there before I went into the operating room, which I thought was a little bit strange. So, um, but once I got into the operating room and then they sedated me, um, actually the doctor was wonderful. You know he comforted me before I even went under and you know, talked about um, how many his experience doing this, how long it would take, very, very quick um, procedure, maximum 15 minutes, light anesthesia, something that will be coming out of quickly, two-hour rest um, in recovery as I get over the anesthesia, and then um, taking time afterwards to to take care of my body and, and all the female changes that happen um, inside and and just rest and recuperation for 72 hours. And the whole DNC was, was fine. Uh, physically, it was more emotionally feeling very isolated. And, you know, there's a, there's always a point where you think this is happening. You know, this is real. Oh my gosh, this is life changing. And I don't think that happened until the moment I got into the, the operating room and, um, and, felt like, wow, uh, I think this is going to be harder for me to get over than I would have thought. I immediately knew that at that point. Um, and then uh, the weeks preceding, so not that these past few weeks have been a lot more difficult, honestly, to get over than I would have thought. Uh, but um, on the physical side, I'm blessed to have had a very successful procedure and you know, no side effects to... Um, to the the intervention, everything went very smoothly. Good. That's good to hear. So in the time since, you did go on your vacation. So did that help to process and decompress? Did it help as much as you had hoped? Or was it just still so new that it's just too far? Yeah. I think it helps. it helped a lot because we don't have a lot of friends yet here. Um, so we did go with our family of of friends that are another family that we have been able to really hit it off with and um actually we didn't tell many people about us being pregnant um but we did tell them because 
back in November, early December, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to tell them we're going on this ski trip together. And usually I love to ski and I'm very, very athletic all year round. And they're going to be wondering what the heck has happened to you. Like, what's your problem? You know. So we did tell them early on and that was a blessing in disguise because uh, it was a lot easier to tell them what had transpired so quickly, just, you know, 24 hours before we were to meet out there. So um, I think it helped because, you know, we had some of that familial time that we wouldn't be able to have otherwise, since we don't have family in the area. And like I mentioned, minimal friends and we, you know, we cooked together and we, you know, had um, nice dinners, played cards, joked, um, you know, uh, took time to go outside and be on the slopes together and such once I got better. But I do realize how that was also a kind of a holdover to my true emotions that really didn't hit until we got back. And well, albeit it was a, a much needed experience, uh, life took its process and more my emotional um, vulnerabilities came out once we got home. Yeah, once you had some time to yourself to really process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What was that like? What was that like? Um, it was hard because, gosh, even when all my life I haven't been a very, very symptomatic, hormonal, menstruating woman. <laughs> so I never really had big PMS or any anything um, that – would be like, wow, this is just me being a woman. My hormones are going a little bit whack, except, you know, having my first child and experiencing pregnancy. And um, this time around, I just was blindsided by the amount, I, I would say, of hormones that really affected my emotion or it just was my emotions. And I'm just in denial about it. But um, I had a, of both. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I mean, it's such a new experience and you never prepare yourself for it. So I I just, you know, I, I hit the mattress. Yeah, like when I got back, we I got the baby situated, got my husband together. Um, I'm not working as of yet. I've been taking some time off since my first baby and moving out here. And Good. Um, so I didn't have anywhere to go, but you know, I've always been an extremely motivated person. I always have things I need to do for the family, but also things that I do for myself to keep myself thriving and moving forward. And I just had no, no ambition, um, no energy, really melancholy. Um, and then a lot of revelations about what had happened and weird revelations about life. Just, I could tell I was on a roller coaster of emotions and, I think life is beautiful like that, where it's a very humbling experience to no matter how much the adversity is and we bl- we're hopeful for it to be not adversity, but something beautiful and enjoyable and life-changing that could be positive experiences. But no matter whether it's positive or negative, life has that beautiful lesson that it teaches you along the way. And this was a lesson for me that I am susceptible to feeling like a woman and like a mother and like I potentially failed or like I, I wasn't able to fulfill my duty as 
being the nurturer, being the, um, the fruit of, of our family and, and producing more. And I really had to understand that that was how I felt. And I understand fully that it's nothing that I did wrong as the doctor had told me right away and yeah. how the statistics prove that, you know, this happens and the more pregnancies you have or the potentially the more children that you might want, what have you, you know, it's bound to happen and it happened to me, but there is still this deficit that I felt. And I don't want to downplay that because. Oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. Even you're seeing the beauty, it's this crazy dichotomy because you can start to see the lessons in beauty, but it is still so heavy and so mucky and just, ugh. Yeah, it really is. It, it took me for a real loop um, to, to not really be able to pinpoint uh, every last little bit of emotion uh, to- that I had about it, but to know that it impacted me so much I, I'm in, on so many levels. Like, you know, I, I'm very reserved with, I'm not the type of person that gets excited about something until it's literally about to happen. You know, I'm generally very reserved with my, my emotions um, for myself, not for others. It's more like I protect myself with how I feel. And uh, even being excited about having our second child, I just, I wanted, to, of course, like a, a lot of women, you know, they want to make sure everything's okay, get past that 12 week mark. I by no means felt like I was invincible as um, a, a woman and mother and, and um, wanting to grow our family. But uh I kept, I kept it close to us that we were having our second, but there were little bits that allowed me to celebrate. Like at Christmas time, I, um, I really wanted to get my daughter a shirt that said something about being a big sister or, you know, some, one of those fun things that, that I could also tell her, wow, you know, you're going to, you're going to be a big sister to little baby boy, little baby girl, what have you. And, I don't know. I, I, I got that. I uh, found it here locally and I was really ecstatic because it was in English and, Aww. you know, cute, cute little shirt that actually fit her. And I was just like, wow, let's give this to her in her stocking at Christmas, albeit she's not going to know what it means, but the photos will know what it means when we have the baby. You yeah. know? They'll forever be in our photo album. And, um, and I have that photo of her holding up the shirt and us playing on Christmas day and just, you know, little bits of celebration here and there, or every time that I said goodnight to her and was holding her in my arms and, you know, uh, waiting until she was ready to go down fully, I would think and tell her, I love you so much. You're going to be a wonderful big sister. And, and it wasn't just her and I sitting there, it was her, me and our third, our second child, you know, our us three and, and her siblings sitting there. So um, those things were just really going through my mind as I was into that week after our ski trip and coming back and just thinking, wow, now we're back to reality and reality here is totally different than when we left right before our ski trip. And this is the chair that I sat in every night with her thinking, you know, I'm putting her down to bed and, thinking those thoughts that I mentioned just now while I, I sing her to sleep and I'm sitting in this chair a week and a half later and this is just so drastically changed and I don't want to hate this chair, but right now I hate this chair. Like yeah. I, I hate the last feeling that I had 
when I was in this chair with her. So I really had to come to grips with just um, understanding that that the reality is that's not happening right now. And also feel the pain that I felt. And I hadn't really cried, you know, and that, that finally manifested. And again, you know, I might be a little bit more, less, less the, I might be a little bit, uh, more practical, less emotional. So crying doesn't often happen in my world, but I did do a lot of crying um, that week we got back. So, and I did feel really alone too. Well, it's an alone experience as a woman and then you are overseas on top of it. I mean, (laughs) holy cow, holy cow. So where are you at now? How are you feeling emotionally right now? So... I am feeling a lot better, but I did not turn the corner until a full two weeks past our return. So two weeks past um, the return. So three just recently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the past few days, like maybe four or five days, is when I finally was like, "Wow, you know, this is not so inundating. It's not so every um, second isn't all consuming." Exactly. So. So that I, I'm very happy for. I don't know if it's, again, a normal practice or not, but the doctor put me on a hormone coming out of surgery, and it was a 28-day um, pill that I took daily. So um, I do think, you know, again, you have hormones that are going on in your body, and then I'm on another type of hormone, and... I've just recently finished that horm- that pack. Um, so I do think that maybe that's helped a little bit, but uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I could just be having, you know, placebo effect. Uh, but I, I do think that um, this past week has helped just uh, my mood has been a lot lighter. I now don't hate the chair that I used to sit in or um, – when I'm doing laundry and I see that shirt sitting on the bottom of my daughter's drawer, I don't dread it. You know, I know she's going to put it on again. And it's funny, like I have an Apple watch and there's some photos that cycle through every time I look at it. And um, some of the, the photos have us playing with that shirt while we were opening presents on Christmas day. And before I used to think, gosh, I just need to go in and delete those photos. What the heck? Why? That's just popping up and it's, it's throwing me, um, in all different emotional directions. And this week I, I was like, no, I, why would I delete that? Why would I, that was a moment that was a happy moment in our lives. And I feel like that baby that we lost brought us happiness. And I shouldn't feel like, you know, it has to be something depressing and something is so, um, something I need to be in denial about. If anything, uh, the small life it had, still had a happy impact on our, our life as a family and finding ways to, to celebrate this newness in life. I, no matter, like, again, I mentioned how hard adversity can be and um, but just feeling like it's made me a, a more thoughtful person um, toward a life lesson in the long run and, and taking the best of it, not the worst. And, and there's been some very concerted efforts I've taken um this past two weeks to kind of lift my spirits. One of those being uh, getting back into 
um, cycling. I'm a big cyclist and I enjoy being outside. And um, I, I really didn't feel like I had many goals since I'm not working at the moment and I'm a stay at home mom. And, you know, I, I enjoy the little things I do with my daughter and, and fun, fun and projects and what have you and spending time with her. But I needed something for me. So I have shifted gears and put some very strong goals on my cycling ambitions and um, indoor training and soon to be outdoor training. And I think that's really kept me on a a little bit more structure and feeling like I can better myself physically because I have had a really rough, uh, what was the first trimester. And um, it's good to finally start feeling good again uh, on a daily basis physically as well. So I'm trying to put my, my happiness and um, stronger physical state into something more productive. That's great. That's really good. You have a really beautiful, beautiful perspective that I think a lot of women are going to resonate with and it will lift them up because I'm, you know, pretty far removed, thank goodness, from any of the miscarriages I experienced, but I'm still feeling like lifted up from your perspective. So that's wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. it's probably because it's so fresh, but yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing. Um, I know this is still really new for you. So it's really wonderful that you took the time to share your story. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing. And this was a very important um, aspect of my personal uh, growth with my situation and being able to listen to the Managing Miscarriage podcast was, has been and still probably will be invaluable to me because like I mentioned, I don't have as many of those conventional resources. So thank you so much for your efforts and what you're bringing to people like me and helping us mend. You're so welcome. My pleasure.